they obviously never get tired of it either. Um, just a few announcements. First of all, we are entering into the Hanukkah season, and we've got some events coming up. Um, first of all, we received something, those who are on our email list. There is Hanukkah on Pearl. Have you guys heard about this? In Boulder. On Monday night, this coming Monday, the 23rd at 5.30, the Pearl Street Mall in back of the courthouse, there's going to be a community um, Hanukkah, um, Hanukkah lighting event, and everybody's invited. So I really just encourage you to go out there. All the Jewish folks in Boulder and the Denver area are going to be going out there, so that'll be a, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And we're going to be having a community-wide uh, all the congregations and many churches are going to be joining together at Church in the City of Beth Abraham on the evening of Sunday, the 29th. That's the last night of Hanukkah at Church in the City at, uh, I believe, 6 o'clock. Is that right? And um, that's going to be a special time. We started doing this, just congregations and churches that want to be involved coming together on these special evenings. And so we're going to be doing that that evening. There's going to be snacks and and uh, probably sufganiyot. You guys, do you know what sufganiyot are? They're jelly donuts. But they're not necessarily filled with jelly, but they're filled with caramel and cream. And, oh, my gosh, they're like a special treat at Hanukkah. And so it is okay on God's calendar to eat as many donuts, sufganiyot, as you can. When we were living in Israel, and this is this time of the year, and all of the bakeries and all of the, the stores would, would freshly bake or whatever they do. I don't know. Do you fry them or bake them? I don't know. Fry them? Yeah. They would fry them, but they would just, you'd walk by and, and these, these aromas would just come. And they would just, they would actually forcibly pull you into the store. You had no choice. It's not unusual to gain six pounds like Millie during those eight days. But it's a really, really awesome time as we... Celebrate the festival lights. I'm going to be talking about in a in a few in a few minutes um, during our message because this is a special time of the year. Also, um, just to, to some things for the calendar. I know these next couple of weeks we've got people who are going to be traveling and gone, which happens a lot. Um, but on January second, on Thursday, January second, isn't that right? Uh, if you know Bot Rivka and George Witten. Anybody know them? They're going to be in the area, and they're going to be at, um, what's your name again? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Linda, at, Linda and, and Pete are going to have, host them at their house that evening on January 2nd. What time, Linda? 6.30. And all are welcome, and um, they are a unique couple. She is a very gifted musician and, and worshiper, so she's going to be there, and George. And George has a, um, a newsletter that he puts out basically talking about the news that's going on in Israel. And uh, so I just encourage we'll be sharing more about that. And any other announcements that um, I need to, to make at this point? Okay, we're all good? All right. Well, we're going to be blessed this morning as the dance team. We're going to invite our dance team to come up and, and minister to the Lord and to us in dance. So, David and Laura, why don't you come on up? So this, this song is called Huyavo. Uh, he, he's coming. He's coming again. 
So the first time he came in meekness and mildness, and this time he's coming with the fierceness of his wrath, <laughs> the crown on his head, fire in his eyes, the word of God coming out of his mouth. And it actually says in, in Revelation that he is coming to tread the winepress of the wrath of God. So, so this is our warrior king <laughs> that's returning to, to redeem his kingdom and this, this world. So that's what this song is about. Jerusalem, Zion's king Will restore the land The clouds will part And our king will descend With fire in his eyes Seven stars In his right hand Huyabo Huyabo Yeah. 
such an appropriate dance for this season. Amen? All right. I'm going to share my message first, and then we're going to have our worship. are off on me as I'm organizing everything up here. I love this time of year as we prepare to celebrate Hanukkah. But I'll be honest with you, um, growing up in a Jewish family, this is kind of a confusing confusing time of the year, okay? Um, you know, I was always seeing Christmas decorations and things like that, although my family didn't always put up those things, and it was kind of like, you know, most of my friends were celebrating celebrating Christmas, and we were celebrating Hanukkah, which I just thought was just a Jewish Christmas. I don't know. That's when you're growing up. You don't know anything, you know, and, um, but it was, a, it was a confusing time, um, but we have it both up here. You have the decorations in here, and I just want you to know, you know, if I hope no one is offended by Christmas decorations during a Messianic congregation, we rent, so we're guests in this place, and so this is a special time of the year for Gateway and Mount Zion. Um, but we celebrate Hanukkah, and I just wanted to share today what this is all about, and um, the reasons why we celebrate, what it is all about, and and uh, it's, it's just a beautiful time. So... Um, first of all, if you would open your Bible to John chapter 10, and we see that Hanukkah, although the actual events of Hanukkah are not in our scriptures, they were in what's called the intertestamental um, Time frame, the 400 years from the last prophet until, until the Gospels, until Yeshua came, they were celebrated. And we know that because it's in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, we see this in John chapter 10. The reasons why we want to celebrate, there are several reasons that I want to talk about why we celebrate Hanukkah. And it's about this whole season, this whole festival of dedication. It's about God's blessings upon a faithful remnant that would not compromise their faith. And that's worth celebrating. And God says, I, 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 I'm going to put my strength in that small remnant of people who are going to stand up and not compromise their faith. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And we see that Yeshua celebrated Hanukkah. And so we're going to read this in John chapter 10, starting in verse 22. Then came Hanukkah, which literally means dedication. If you're wondering what Hanukkah means, dedication, dedication of the temple. It was winter in Jerusalem. Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade. When the Judean leaders surrounded him, saying, how long will you hold us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us outright. He'd already shared that with them, but here they are again. Tell us outright. 
Yeshua answered them, I told you, but you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify concerning me. But if you don't believe me, because you are not my... But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What do you think their reaction was when they heard this? I and the Father are one. Amazing, amazing statement from Messiah Yeshua. Again, the Judean leaders picked up stones to stone him. See, what he just said was basically equating himself with God. I and the Father are one. And they say, man, that's worthy of death. That's blasphemy. I'm gonna, we're going to take up stones. It wasn't the first time he took up stones. Yeshua answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Judean leaders answered, we aren't stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. Though you are a man, you make yourself God. Yeshua answered them, isn't it written in your writings, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him, the one the Father sent apart and set into the world, you speak blasphemy because I said, I am Ben Elohim, I am the Son of God. If I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do, even if you don't trust me, trust the deeds that you then you may come to know and continue to understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, and therefore they tried to capture him again, but he escaped from their hand. And I read a few verses more than I was planning on. But here we see Yeshua is in the temple, and he makes a public declaration of his deity. He says, I and the Father are one. He is the Messiah, Mashiach El, the Messiah of God. Not like Moshe, not like Jehuda, Yehuda Maccabee, but this is actually Mashiach El. The problem was that he's sharing with people whose hearts were not, whose ears and their hearts were, were hardened to hear the truth. And he even says, you're not my sheep. You don't listen to me. You don't hear the words that I'm speaking. So he was there, he celebrated Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, rededicating of the temple. Another reason we celebrate Hanukkah is we celebrate a faithful remnant in the face of massive persecution. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, and actually Daniel chapter 11 talks about, prophesies what's going what's to be taking place. And so in a lot of ways, Hanukkah is prophesied in Daniel and then we see it, and then Yeshua even refers back to it, and I'm going to read that in, in just a few minutes. But in, in Daniel 11.32, he says, the scripture says, but those who act wickedly against the covenant, he will, he will corrupt with his blandishments, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. I love that scripture, verse 32. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. And that's exactly what the Maccabees did at that time. God's always worked with a few. You notice that? It's not like God is waiting for the majority to come on his side. Because that doesn't usually happen. He worked with a few. With, with, if it was working with Gideon or David's 
band of, of, of men that followed him. They weren't many. But God sees that, sees their, their faith, and he says, my strength is going to be with them. One of the quotes that's attributed to Yehuda Maccabee, who is the leader of this uprising, and we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, he said this, victory in war does not depend upon the size of the army, but on the strength that comes from heaven. And, and this is so true. You may see the hordes coming against us, but who is our God? Who do we put our trust in? He says, you know, if you put your trust in me, you will not be shaken. And we see plenty of examples of this throughout the scriptures. And we celebrate Hanukkah is the feast of the light of the world. You know, for in Judaism, the rabbis have always considered the menorah is the light of the world. And they, you see that throughout Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, at this time of the year, back in the day, before there was power and electricity, at this time, you could look into Jerusalem and all you would see would be the menorah in the temple and in the houses. That's, and you would just see this, this hill full of lights of these menorahs. It's the festival of the light of the world. And Yeshua said, this is interesting, and he says this in John 8, 12. This is one of our, our, our verses here at Or Chaim. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. They have the light that gives light. The light that gives life. Light of life. Yeshua says, I am the light of the world. And then he says something interesting in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So shine the light that lives in you. This is all about shining that dedication, having our temples dedicated so his light can shine through our lives. That's what Hanukkah is all about. Rededicating these temples. And you know, Yeshua told the story of Hanukkah. I'm not going to read it right now, but in, in Matthew chapter 24, he's talking about, he's answering the questions of his disciples who say, What's going to be the sign of your return? What's going to happen before you return? And he goes in and he talks about all of these things that are going to happen, that the, the love of many will grow cold. There's going to be many false messiahs that rise up. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all that, famines and things like that. And he's mentioned some things. And he takes it from the prophet Daniel, but he also it's referring back to Hanukkah. He says, There'll be the abomination that causes desolation standing in the holy place. A very turbulent, violent time where there's going to be great anguish. False messiahs will rise up and the Son of Man will appear. So he's describing that in Matthew chapter 24. A future event in the context of one that already took place. But the disciples understood what he was talking about. The disciples understood that. Like I mentioned, we celebrate the rededication of God's temple. We look back to the story of the Maccabees. When the temple was being defiled, their priority, when they came into Jerusalem and they retook the temple and they found it totally desecrated, their priority of the remnant was to, first of all, clean the altar, to get everything, all the defilement that took place in there, they needed to get that cleaned up. And when we look at the story of Hanukkah, we see it as a world, it's a, it's a war of worldviews. And it's very relevant to what's going on today in our culture. 
There is a war going on. It may not be a hot war right now, but there is certainly a war going over on our, for our hearts and minds of the people, and even within the body of Messiah. So I'm going to read some of the scriptures. Now, I'm going to be reading from a couple of um, books out of the book of Maccabees, which is not included in our canon of scriptures. Does anybody know why? But it is in the Catholic scriptures, though, right? It's in the Apocrypha. And there's a lot of reasons why it was not considered to be, um, in our scriptures, canonized. And there's, there's various, various theories, but one of them is political. Political. Um, because uh, when, when a lot of our scriptures were canonized during the, the um, convention of Yavne, um, there was great discussion and there was also great fear among the, the Jewish men who put together our body of scripture as we know it today because it talked about a remnant who were going to restore and, and rededicate a temple. Remember, who's in charge at the, at the, um, the, the convention of, of Yavne? The Romans were over Israel. And so they would see this as seditious. They would see this as rebellious. So that was one of the reasons why it was not included in the, uh, the Holy Scriptures. But the story is real. It's actually, it's based in fact the story of the Maccabees, it's based in fact, although it's not in our scriptures, but it is in what's called the Maccabees, the first and second Maccabees. So I'm going to read some scriptures in first Maccabees, and I think we have them, starting in verse 11. In those days, certain renegades came out from Israel and misled many, saying, let us go and make a covenant with the Gentiles around us. For since we separated from them, many disasters have come, up, come upon us. This proposal pleased them. And some of the people eagerly went to the king, who authorized them to observe the ordinances of the Gentiles. So they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem, according to Gentile custom, and removed the marks of circumcision, ouch, and abandoned the holy covenant. They joined with the Gentiles and sold themselves to do evil. Tragic story. There was a clash of worldviews back then as there is today. The worldviews back then, 165 years before Yeshua, was it's called Hellenism or humanism is what's become today. It was the Greeks were the Greek, it was a time of transition. The Greek Empire, you know, Alexander the Great was kind of coming to its end, and this Roman Empire was coming up, and so there was a clash. And, of course, Israel is a, is a bridge. It's a land bridge between Africa, Europe, and Asia. And, of course, there's going to be war because there's always going to be war when there's transitions and empires are coming and going, and, and that was what was taken. But what had happened by this time was many of the Jews had embraced humanism. Many of the Jewish people living in, in Jerusalem had embraced Hellenism, this Greek philosophies, and, and reason became paramount. Reason became everything, embraced by many of the Jews. And the gymnasium became more important than the temple. The gymnasium where you, your body became the most important thing. The physical body over spiritual identification. They had themselves 
This is amazing. They had themselves, many of them, surgically uncircumcised. I don't know how they do that. But it says that they did that. And they despised their God-given birthright. A few weeks ago, we had a Torah portion about Esau, about giving up his birthright. He despised his birthright. And we see here a people, the people of God, despising their own birthright. The synagogue was now the place, not of a place of teaching of the Torah and study of the Torah and Midrash. It became a place to debate the latest philosophy. And then there were some degrees, decrees that were put out by a man named Antiochus IV. And actually, boo, yeah, he's like Haman whenever you hear his name. And actually, he changed his name and he, to Antio- Antiochus Epiphanes, and, uh, which means basically he's God. He basically called himself, he says, uh, I'm God in the flesh. And we read this in, in 2 Maccabees chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And I'm, I'm going to be reading, you'll, you'll have the verses up there. I won't be reading all the words, but you can see them as we read along. He says, abandon the customs of their... He wrote a letter, basically, and he says, abandon the customs of their ancestors and live no longer by the laws of God. Profane the temple and dedicate it to Olympian Zeus. They brought into the temple things that were forbidden. The altar was covered with abominable offerings prohibited by the laws. A man could not keep the Shabbat or celebrate the traditional feasts, nor even admit that he was a Jew. It put to death those who would not consent to adopt the customs of the Greeks. And it goes into a horrible story. These two women were arrested for having circumcised their children. They were publicly paraded around the city with babies hanging at their, their breasts and then thrown down from the top of the city walls. Others were betrayed to Philip and burned to death. A terrible time. A terrible time. A time of much compromise. A time of much anguish. And much of people just walking away with their faith for fear of what would happen to them if they didn't. It's also a sign of the things that I think are going to be coming in these last days. But I call these the six you shalls that were put out by Antiochus Epiphanes. The six you shalls. I just read them. Number one, you shall profane the Shabbat. When God says specifically, he says it many times, it is a Shabbat to the Lord in all your dwellings and to do this forever. When God says something, we stick to it. We keep it no matter what everybody else may say. The second you shall, you shall profane the festivals and the holy days. And God's word is very specific there again. He says there are holy convocations which you shall proclaim. In other words, to do this perpetually, to do this forever, and to teach this to your children. And here he says you shall not do these things. The third you shall is you shall set up idols. And specifically to the god Zeus. Contemptible, ugly, hideous God that they set up in the temple. God's word is very clear. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And like I said, this is at a time, a very, a very uh, 
terrible time, the transition, the Greek Empire is coming to an end, the Roman Empire, both are anti-God. They are coming against the Torah of God, coming against God's people, and they're both coming up at the same time. One is waning, one is developing strength. The fourth, you shall, you shall eat unclean foods, unclean animals. Matter of fact, they were forced to eat certain things or they would face death. The fifth you shall is you shall not circumcise your sons. What is circumcision? What is, what is powerful about circumcision? What is it? Anybody remember what it is? It's a sign of covenant. It's a sign of covenant for the Jewish people, between Jewish people and God. And here he's saying, you shall not do this any longer. And you might say, well, that was back then. But there is a movement now to out, actually outlaw circumcision and to say that it's cruel and unusual punishment. So there's a movement afoot. And it's interesting because all of these things that this evil man said, you shall, you shall not do, you shall not do, you shall not do, have creeped themselves back into our culture today, our modern culture today. And the last you shall that he said was, you shall forget Torah. Matter of, matter of fact, it was death, a death sentence to read the Torah, to celebrate the Torah. What we enjoyed this morning, our Torah service, was a death sentence if you were caught doing that. And that wasn't the only time that that happened at Hanukkah. There has been other times, and the Inquisition, of course, the pogroms, of course, the, the Holocaust, where those who worshipped there was a death sentence put upon them. Worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Israel of 165 BC, there are similarities to what's going on today in our world. Many similarities. You know, Yeshua speaks of the last days. It's going to be absolute turmoil. People are going to be crying out for solutions. And when that is the soil of what's going on is anguish and turmoil and chaos. And we see that in our culture today. People are going to be crying out for solutions. They'll also be crying out to hear itching ears. They'll be hearing deceptions and delusions. People will say, well, I've got the answer for you. And that's why we need to have ears of discernment and eyes to see what God is doing and saying in these days. Very important for us. But similarities between the Israel of 165 B.C. and today. It was a fragmented society. There was a, the rich and the poor, and there were broken families. And, and I just look at the things that are going on in, in our culture. And just in the last few years, have you noticed the hatred and the division that's come up and it's not just between rich and poor. It's between male and female. And, and everybody has their little camp. And, you know, we're all divided into our little, our little camps. And, and uh, it, it's just fragmented. Our culture has become fragmented. Similar to Israel back then and to today is everybody wanted to do his own things. One of the things that the judges said, the book of Judges, was everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You become your own God. You become the one to choose what is right, what is wrong. What's going to help me? What's not going to help me? 
There's no absolutes. And this word of God is an absolute. We have to have this word of God. We have to know what it says. We have to live by this because somebody else is going to come and say, you don't need that. As a matter of fact, I have a better way. The same old lie. And as 165 BC in Israel, as today, the word of God is being reinterpreted to accommodate the times. Political correctness. We see um, the LGBT agenda coming to the forefront. We see all of these things taken. We see a church that, and I've been talking about that, I'm going to continue to talk about that, that sees no need for the scriptures that we find in the Tanakh, in the Old Covenant, in the, t- in the, test- in the, in the Old Testament. To unhitch, we need to unhitch ourselves. All we need is Jesus today. It's not even so subtle anymore. And as then, as it is today, there's a challenge to all authority. A challenge to all authority. And, and you know, that even came to challenging God's authority. You know, the original lie in the garden was, did God really say? Did God really say that to you? That's a challenge to his authority. And this is why we need to know what God's word is saying because people will come, philosophies will come, leaders will come and say, did they really, they had it wrong. We have it right now. So we have to know what the word of God says today. And as in Israel in 165 BC, as is today, materialism and humanism are the order of the day. You know, the biggest corporations in the world today, the two biggest corporations, Amazon and Walmart. Isn't that interesting? Buy things, buy things. And we see it on display, especially at this time of the year. And that's why so many are, see, Christmas is just another, it's a materialistic thing, and and people buy into that whole thing. But God says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. Put your priorities right. Humanism, it's all about me. What makes me, what pleasures me, what, what I need instead of what, he requires religion and tradition at that time as it is today replace simple faith grace based relationship with god the priesthood at that time had become compromised by money and politics rather than worship and care for the people and and that's something we can't have today and there's, there's pressure all over to, to just give in to, what, to, to the world system, even in the body of Messiah today. Yehuda Maccabee. Yehuda and his brothers, you know what Maccabees mean? It means, literally means hammer. That's the name that was given to them. Yehuda and the Mac, Mac, his brothers and a small band of followers, they were called the hammer. So let's look at Hanukkah through God's character and to see his character in this festival that we celebrate at this time of the year. We see God's character is that he loves to come to the aid, especially in impossible situations. He loves to come to the aid of those who cry out to him. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. 
When we're sold out to him and we're saying, Father, you show me what to do. He just, he just imparts his grace, his presence in those situations. He loves when people cry out to him in impossible situations. And here was an impossible situation. This small group of zealots, this small group of, of faithful patriots who would not compromise. You see, they lived in Jerusalem. Matthias or um, he, uh, Matiahu, he lived in, in Jerusalem with his family. And then when the Greeks came and they took over, he went outside to a place called Moedin, which is just a few miles outside of Jerusalem, and that's where they were. And um, he says, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to fight against that. We're going to come against that. But we also see the characteristic of God that he is strong and mighty in battle. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 3 through 7, he says, Adonai is a warrior. God is a warrior. Adonai is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies were hurled into the sea. His elite commanders were drowned in the sea of Suf, the Red Sea. The deep waters covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Adonai, is sublimely powerful. Your right hand, Adonai, shatters the foe. By your great majesty, you bring down your enemies. You send out your wrath to consume them like stubble. He's mighty in battle. And you know what? He's going to lead us into battle. He's saying, come on, guys, come with me. Join with me. The battle belongs to the Lord. He wants us to battle, to join in with him. And we also see, and this is another characteristic of God, is that he's our protector. He is our protector. He is Israel's protector. He's our protector. In Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For I declare, for I, declares Adonai, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. He surrounds us with a wall of fire, and his glory is going to be in our midst. Hallelujah. That's what we've been talking about. And Isaiah verse, chapter 8, verse 10 says, devise a plan. People are always devising plans against the Lord. They really are, even today. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will, it will not stand for God is with us. You may not see him in the midst of your battles. You may not hear him clearly at times, but I guarantee you will know that he is in your midst. He is strong and mighty for battle. You can trust him. You can trust him. And as the word came today, you know what? He can change us. He can change the situations. He usually changes both. When we yield to him, when we surrender to him. See, one of the themes throughout the whole scripture is that God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. God will never abandon us. But he does have requirements. He says, you know, walk in my ways. When you walk in my ways, when you walk in my ways, there's conditions. There's conditions. So as we come to the end here, I just, worship team, why don't you come on up? There's a path before us today as we've talked about Hanukkah, what it's, it's true meaning and and we've seen how Israel was in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes and the days of Yehuda Maccabee. And, and we see a lot of similarities today. What is the path before us today? The path before us will impact our destiny. You see, it's, we live in a, in a culture, especially here in the United States. That's why I love to take people on trips outside of America 
to see how most of the people in the world live. It's totally different than it is here. But we are comfort motivated. We are looking for comfort. Am I seeking pleasure? Am I seeking the temporal over the eternal? And that is a, that's, that's something that God wants to, to get our priorities, to bring us into alignment. What am I seeking? Am I seeking my comfort? He's more interested in building our character. He's more interested in imparting into us his purposes than me seeking pleasure and safety and comfort. Believe me, I like being comfortable. I really do. But is that taking the place of being a risk taker for God? When God says, I want you to go, and we say, well, I can't because I've got my house. I've got my dog. I've got to make sure Walter's taken care of so I can't go. You know, I've got to make sure I, li- I sleep in the same bed because of my bed. I've got to back. In other words, God's, God's, God's purpose for us must be no farther than a day's day's because I've got to be sleeping in the same bed. I'm just throwing those out because sometimes we put our comfort over what God is saying. And that's a challenge to us today. Compromise. It's another path before us. Compromise. There are consequences to our actions. When we compromise what we know that we know that we know to be true. But if I just go a little bit. People aren't gonna, not going to come against me. I'll, I'll have favor in this fear. You know, I won't be persecuted because of my beliefs. I believe we're in a season now where persecution is becoming against. It's already coming against the body of believers. It's coming against the bride. And I think that the thing that we have to be careful is that we're not compromising who we are. Not, comprom- not compromising who we are as the children of the Most High. Because there are consequences to our actions. Commitment. God is is talking to us about commitment. What am I trusting in? What will I trust in when the shaking comes? And I think we can all say, you know what? The shaking is here. It's not talking about something that's going to take place at the next elections or the next major thing that takes place. We're in the midst of shaking. What are we committing ourselves to? Like I said, this is a time where Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 6, seek first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first. Seek first, prioritize the things of the kingdom. And everything else will be taken care of. What will I trust in when the shaking comes? It's going to be an opportunity for us to let our light shine to let the light of Yeshua shine through us. And we've talked a lot over the last months about rededicating our temples, these temples. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh and and that he lives inside of you. He lives inside of us. But sometimes our temples get defiled. And God is saying, you notice this little thing here? You kind of used to do this, but you don't do this anymore. You know, you used to wake up and we'd have a time, special times together, and you're not doing this anymore. And we find the pressures of this world kind of coming against us at the regular time. And God is saying, I want you to rededicate yourselves, your whole body, everything to me. Our tongue, the words that we speak. Words can speak death or they can speak life. They can speak blessing, they can speak cursing. 
rededicating our tongues. I just, Lord, help me. Because so many times, you know what? I get thoughts, and you all do too. You get thoughts, and sometimes those verbalized become verbalized, and the words are out. Once they're out, the damage is done. It's like the setting of fire of a, a forest fire that takes place. God says, rededicate your tongue, your heart, because whatever you speak out comes from that wellspring called the heart. Our minds says, be renewed, be renewed, be renewed in our thinking, be renewed in our thinking. Our feet, where we are going, what we are doing, where, the places we're going, in our ears, what are we hearing, what are we seeing? God is wanting all of us. He doesn't require anything, just everything. He requires everything. You know, sometimes we have to just stop and say, God, these things that I'm watching on TV or watching too much of on TV or just watching too much TV, period, or things that I'm hearing and, and they're not uplifting. And we can say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Walk away from that and rededicate ourselves to purity because that's what God is calling us to do. Why don't you stand with me as we prepare to come into a, just a time of worship? Because what we want to do is we want to let the love of Yeshua, you know, on the Hanukkah, there's nine branches. Represents the eight days. And I, I didn't mention this during the, the message, but this is a lot of, there's, again, different theories on why is it eight days long and there's a legend about the oil, that there was enough oil for one day, and they decided to light the, the menorah, and it, the miraculous thing has lasted for eight days, and, and uh, we don't know. But I think that what, I, what I've heard and what I tend to believe is that because Je Yehuda Maccabee was, they were out fighting. They were fighting the Greeks during the festival of Sukkot, which is an eight-day festival. When they came into the temple, as they did at the dedication of the temple, Solomon's temple, they celebrated Sukkot. In other words, Hanukkah is many times called a Sukkot of fire. It's called Sukkot of fire. And so they celebrated an eight-day festival as would be Sukkot, but they weren't able to celebrate it because they were busy fighting. And that sounds like a reasonable, it could be, and it could be also the oil. We don't know for sure, but it's an eight-day uh, festival. And so there's eight... Um, well, there's actually nine candelabra, where usually it's seven, but the menorah during Hanukkah is, is, is nine. There's eight for the eight days, and then there's one candle. It's called the shamash, which means the servant candle that lights the rest of them. And that's a picture of Yeshua. He is our shamash. He is a servant candle that lights the fire within us, that reignites our joy and our love, our peace. Patience. Oh, God, reignite that patience within me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God wants to reignite in us. How many of us need a reigniting in our hearts of his joy, his love? Yeah, bring it on. Peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord, you see our hearts. Lord, just, let's just raise our hands to the Lord and just as a sign of surrender saying, Lord, 
I surrender to you and your love. Lord, and I confess that in some ways the light has grown dim inside of me. If that's you, just, you know, speak it out to the Lord, just between you and him. The light has grown dim, and, and Lord, I, I need that refiring, refiring of that love and that joy, just to know you, your presence. And Father, I pray, Lord, over ears, Lord, that haven't heard from God, haven't heard the Spirit, when they're not sure, Lord, I pray that our ears would be renewed, Lord God. Our ears were once again to hear your still small voice speaking to us. Lord, I just pray for that, that light that has grown dim, Lord, would be reinvigorated, relit. And Lord, we rededicate our bodies. Lord, I just, we rededicate our lips. That the words that we speak would be uplifting and glorify you. We rededicate our hearts. Some of our hearts have grown cold and hard because of things that have happened, because of expectations that were dashed, disappointments, depression, discouragement. Lord, we look to you. Lord, we look up. I'm not going to look down. We look up. Lord, soften our hearts. Lord, we rededicate our minds. Lord, in some of us, the lies have become more powerful than the truth. The lies have become more powerful than the truth. The whispers of the enemy come crashing in to take away our peace. And anything that takes away your peace is not from God. So, Lord, I pray for a rededication of our minds, Lord God. And, Lord, refresh us in your word. Lord, as we read your word, as we study your word, as we meditate, as we memorize your word, it would come to life in us. Lord, as I prayed for our ears, Lord God, Lord, that we would hear clearly from your Ruach in our eyes, Lord God. Instead of seeing the circumstance before us, Lord God, we would see you high and lifted up. And we know that you will take care of us. You are walking with us. You will never leave us nor abandon us. I pray for our feet. Lord, that we will walk in your ways where you want us to go. Who you want us to go speak to. Who you want us to go minister to. Lord, that you would lead us in this way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Shem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Are we willing to be that light in a dark world? That's what he's called us to be. Things are getting darker, but our light's going to grow and be brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen? We're going to go into our time of worship right now. And um, just want to encourage you that uh, this, of course, is... Did you have something you wanted to share? Okay. This is also a time at Orchayim where we take up our tithes and offerings, and we have a couple of baskets up here in the front in the box. It's called the Pushkan. In the back, 